Hello and welcome to Catholic Bites, a podcast for busy Catholics. This is Father Conrad and I have with me Father Alec. Father Alec, welcome back to Catholic Bites. Good to be here. Nice to join Catholic Bites again. Um, And today we're going to talk about the soul. We're going to talk about some kind of, I don't know, basic facts about the soul that maybe you never thought about before or or never really doubted before or or had a reason for, uh, because I think they shed some light into who we are as human beings. So why don't you start us off with like, just, I mean, the one thing that maybe might be most confusing is what the soul actually is, because we have this weird view of, of the soul that perhaps needs to be clarified. Yeah. So I think that there is, I just, from my experience teaching middle schoolers, um, there's a, there's a kind of a false belief that Catholics are supposed to say that animals and things like that do not have souls, mm-hmm. which is to say that we, there's a, there's a common belief among Catholics that only human beings have souls. Um, and of course this is not true. We're going to figure it. We're going to kind of parse out what it is that makes human souls unique, but the soul, and if we just want like a like a seat of the pants definition, the soul is the principle of life in a substance. So anything that is alive has a soul. Mm-hmm. Um, human souls are unique. I'll, I'll preface that before anybody sends me, you know, a hate letter based on the first five seconds of this thing. Human <laughs> souls are unique, but every living thing has a soul. So you may have heard of the the sort of three different types of souls or the tripartite souls. We'd say three different parts of the soul. And and just to kind of <clears throat> flesh this point out clearly, um, when we look at uh, when we look at at like a tree growing, right? We'd say that it has a vegetative soul, which means it's capable of life and growth and reproduction according to its tree like nature. Yeah. Um, and that soul is at- that soul is what gives it its its unity. Its Yes. identity it's when you look at it and say that's a tree versus a log yeah. it's, it's not just because, wood yeah it's not yeah. just wood and cells and things like that that are disconnected and, and stationary as a as a log is right like a mm-hmm. dead log and there's yeah. and i mean these are the things this is intuitively known to us that that is different like a log is different than a tree even though a freshly cut log is very similar to a tree mm-hmm. in many respects um, so it is a vegetative soul. And, and when that, when the tree is killed, it loses that principle of life. It loses its soul. And it's not, um, like the human soul, it's not immortal. So mm-hmm. that is the end of that tree soul. So when we consider something, uh, more complex, like an animal, like a dog, um, it also has that same vegetative aspect of the soul that the tree has, which makes it capable of, of nourishment and growth. But it also has what we would call a sensitive soul, which allows it to sense and respond to stimuli in a way that we think of animals um, responding to stimuli. So some, um, some plants have a very small amount of this capacity, but, but animals can move around, they can seek food, they can have, um, you know, Pavlovian responses, and they can have sort of this, this like basic set of responding to their desires based on um, instinct and, and stimulus. So and, and, dog, and there's so, even a certain amount of memory and, and imagination that's possible for, sure. for, a, Through for a sensitive certain animals. Yeah. Yes. And so there's, there's an aspect of it that allows them to even sometimes appear kind of human-like. And maybe our best example of this is like a, like a, one of the great apes or something where they yeah. can, can do basic human-like activity because their sensitive soul um, is utilized maybe like to the max, I guess we could mm-hmm. say it. And then the, the, the human soul, and, and this is where we get into um, what makes the human being special, is 
is an intellectual soul, which allows us to a rational soul, which allows us to to have rational thought. And rational thought is basically discursive thought that allows us to ponder questions like the nature of the soul or, you know, the nature of God allows us to to commune with um, those higher truths in a way that that like a great ape cannot. Yeah. And so that's I, I, the nature of the human soul. We have all three parts. I think that's Good. Sorry, and I, I think that that's interesting that like it can um, uh, the, the, the intellectual soul can transcend its own materiality, its own self. Like you can think of a really powerful computer, which is able to process into, you know, quote unquote, think, but it's unable to transcend its programming, whereas yes. the intellectual soul goes beyond its fundamental human ability, can reflect on and go beyond and deeper than. Uh, and so it, it's it's then 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 materiality, which an animal soul can't do. Yeah, which is a very interesting thing. It'll lead into our next talking point here, but it gives us evidence as to what makes the human soul so unique. Mm -hmm. And one of the things we think about the soul is that it is immortal, um, is that it lasts forever, and that is true of the um, the rational soul. It's true of the rational soul because we know as principle of faith we are made in the image and likeness of God, and we're given this unique aspect this this rational aspect that does transcend that however you know let's dive into that a little bit more it's kind of a bold claim yeah it's and it's interesting it's one of these things that saint thomas says we can know by reason alone we don't have to be told that by faith and he bases that on the nature of intellectual activity as it is that like an intellectual being has as its only principle of of the word he uses, we're getting really deep into metaphysical stuff, but his only principle of potency, like, uh, is, is the gift of its own being by God. And so he uses the example of angels, which are pure intellectual beings, mm -hmm. which the only thing that they, um, that, that distinguishes them from God, who is pure being pure act himself is that they are, they are dependent upon God for their, for their being. But yes. because of that, you know, because that's the only thing that they're dependent upon God for, like, then the only thing that's going to lead them to decay is, is God just removing that gift of being from them. And so St. Thomas says that our, our kind of intellectual souls share in the same kind of way, that they are, they are complete in a sense in themselves, and they don't have a principle that would allow them to decay. Like there's, unlike like a material thing, which can decay because it can be broken apart and all these different things, an intellectual soul is too much itself. Like, too, too, mu too much self-contained or not self-contained, but like one in and of itself that it's unable to decay. Um, yeah. and, and that leads to this belief based on, on, on reason that it transcends materiality and therefore it's, it's, it's immortal. It's not able to die. Sure. And we can see, I mean, in a certain sense, this, this is something that we, you know, we believe as, as Catholics also, right, in the resurrection of the body, that the body mm -hmm. will be through the mercy of God, through the through grace of the resurrection, will will last us forever. However, um, in our time on earth, as soon as we see the the soul leave the body, the body immediately begins to decay because it's yeah. made up of parts that are capable of decaying. Um, whereas we have this again, this intuitive sense that the soul doesn't. What, what's it going to? You know, I guess we could think like it vaporizes into ether or something like that. Yeah. But even that is making it too material, right? Too material. It's not a gas. It's not, there's this old like goofy thing that people think that the body weighs like what is it 21 ounces less less when someone dies because that's yeah. the weight of the soul that's nonsense because the soul is not a gas that's contained yeah. within us it's not something really light that floats around within us it's the principle of our 
of our being. It's the principle that makes us alive, which is what the soul is. So a, a body just before death and just after death from a physical perspective is the same. Mm-hmm. It's just that the soul has left the body. Exactly. And that actually brings me to the, the thing that I'm really excited to talk about with the soul, which is how the soul, for lack of a better phrase, how the soul connects to the body. Yes. Um, because I think we think we, we inherently think because like our senses are based in our head, uh, we inherently think of the soul kind of residing either in our head, like behind our, our eyes or in our heart, because that's, yep. you know, kind of where we feel. Imagery. Yeah. But that's, that's, that's not the case. And, um, and, and it's not like there's one part of us that has our soul and like our fingers don't have our soul, you know? Sure. And, and, and this is really interesting because so the, the, the philosopher Rene Descartes, he suggested that the pineal gland, and we had to look this up before we started recording, but that the pineal <laughs> gland, which is part of the um, uh, what, what, what system, endocrine system, uh, like that that gland was where the soul attached the body because he didn't know what that was for. And so yeah. he's like, okay, since I don't know what this is for, I, I clearly, it must be where the soul attaches, you know, that's gotta <laughs> be the place. But which is like crazy, but whatever, like, that, I mean, that's the kind of thing that we, we that when you're trying to, to marry these two things, right? If you don't have a good answer, it's like, okay, well, and, and I mean, think about it. Like you got a soul, which is immaterial and, and, you know, incorruptible and all those other things. And you got this body that's very different than that. And, you know, we believe that the soul lives on after the body. So is it just kind of hooked in there on the pineal gland? And then when he dies, it like unhooks itself and goes off, you know, like as, it's crazy, but it's not. Yeah. As if some immaterial thing could hook on to something material yeah. that's making yeah. it material. In, in reality, it's present. The soul is present in all of us. Yes. By, by in a way of kind of power, exerting power over something and uni- uniting something as opposed to by way of like, you know, gluing something on. It's almost like, it's almost like, um, uh, like Peter Pan trying to stick his shadow back onto him. <laughs> yeah. Like yeah. the shadow is something inherently almost immaterial and yeah. its presence is based on the presence. Like it, it, it's not something that you just like combine and glue together. And, and so our soul is present in every part of us because it unites every part of us together, just because yep. we don't experience like my soul in the type of my little finger doesn't mean that my soul is not present there. Otherwise, my little finger would fall off and die. If, if you chop off your little finger, the soul is no longer present in the in the part of the little finger that you chopped off. It's a severed member now. And we, I mean, it's funny, like instantly, instantly. And this is where I think some of this imagery is so powerful for us. If you dismember someone, and I'm not trying to be like gross or something, but but if you if you chop off a limb or if you chop off a leg, immediately that becomes like, like, a, like, you know, we want to get rid of that as quickly as possible. You know, like it, mm-hmm. it, it, it no longer strikes us as being part of the human body. It strikes us as being something grotesque yeah. because it is, because it's no longer animated and held together in this unity that the soul holds it together. And, 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 and yet when you chop off, if you chopped off a finger, you don't lose like 0.2% of your soul. Like, you know, no. you're, you're, you're it, because the soul is immaterial. It, it's present insofar as it's present by virtue of its power and its unitive function, not by virtue of like, okay, I got to get 10% of my soul in my arms and 10% of my feet or something. Take like it that. all out in the morning. So it's exactly. all evenly distributed. No, and I mean, you, you can, you can reattach a finger if you get it quick enough. And, you know, then you go from, it's not that it's like, oh, part of the soul has gone and oh, now it's back again. It's, it's that, that part of that part of your body is, for the time that it's separated, it no longer is being held in unity. If it can be attached in a way that's successful, 
then the body resumes the, the body resumes you know using it and the soul governs that use because it is the principle of, of life and organization and and you know um, it's the source of, of unity in the body and, and I think this this is a kind of an interesting this is important for us because and, and I'll, maybe we can just close with this because oftentimes the Holy Spirit is described as the soul of the body of Christ which is the church yep. and we don't have like I have a part of the Holy Spirit and you have a part of the Holy Spirit but the whole Holy Spirit is present in each of the members of the church. But if you remove one of those members from the church, then the Holy Spirit is not present in the same way as it was before. And yet it, it, it unites us together into this one body um, by virtue of the power of the Holy Spirit, which is being exercised in each one of the members, which is, I think, kind of cool. Yeah, absolutely. No, and I um, I think that is really important for us to recognize is, is if you separate yourself from, from the, the body of Christ, now, the, you know, the body of Christ is in many ways like a like a like a physical body that's the image that St. Paul gives us that's so beautiful, but it it is also a you know it's a spiritual reality on some level too. It's it's a slightly more complicated. So someone who removes themselves does not necessarily completely yeah. devoid themselves of the Holy Spirit, right? And that's how people can come back into the church after they've left because the Holy Spirit's still on some degree in a weak level kind of kind of pushing them towards that. However, you severely compromise your capacity to be furthering the, the mission and the, the, the proclamation of the gospel of Christ when you cut yourself off from the Holy Spirit. So yeah. if you say, you know what, I can do this without, um, without the church, right? With like severing myself from the church, then inevitably we start to see problems arise almost instantly. And I mean, this for, from a Catholic perspective, it's like as soon as the Protestant Reformation happened, within the lifetime of Martin Luther, there was a, there was a schism within Protestantism. And now there's, you know, infinite because once you separate yourself out you no longer are are able to mm. hold that unity together so the holy spirit being the soul of the church is what holds it all together otherwise just splinters and and you know and breaks into a million pieces exactly well i hope that helped um kind of i don't know clarify some aspects of what the soul actually the soul of course is a mystery Thank you, yeah. Father uh, Alec. Thank you so much for, for joining us. Thank you to everyone for listening. If you'd like to listen to other great Catholic podcasts, you can find us at catholicpodcast.com or find us on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. Please subscribe or leave a review that could really help us out. Thank you and God bless you. <laughs>